0: think that there's, a, maybe you've wondered this, as I'm coming up to preach, and by the way, that's like, that's one of my favorite worship songs that we just sing, yep. As we're coming up to preach, you know, like, I think for a lot of you, what I'm doing right now, standing in front of everyone speaking, this is your biggest fear to come up and do this, and, and you, you wonder, like, what's going through his mind? And uh my zipper. Is my zipper up? <laughs> Every time. Because I've done it. And I'm like, man, should I do another button? Should I not do? It? How many of y'all have had a battle going on in between your ears this week? This week. Psh, some of y'all lying. I got it all under control. I don't know what you're talking about. This may put things into perspective today. So let's jump into the Word. We're walking through uh, the last week of Jesus. Some of the last week, and like, his last week was a big deal. If you'll look, almost half of some of the Gospels are just the last week of Jesus. He had three years of ministry, you know, plus there's a whole childhood, and we've got the Christmas stories. And the last week takes up... Like almost, almost half of the book of John. Why? What's well, important. And, and I'll tell you that as you are reading through your word, because ultimately that is my goal. I am your cheerleader, to go home and have a closer, deeper relationship with Jesus. And so sometimes we have to remove ourselves, right? We, we, like we're fighting this battle. Like what's going on in your life? And if I, if I set you down, what's going on in your life? And nobody's going to mention that there's, you know, Russia and Ukraine are at war. Like that's that's going on, but it's not going on in your life. And and nobody's gonna mention their neighbors. It's like, man, if I could just overcome this. Let's put that in perspective this morning. That's gonna sound wild and I'm not gonna mention this again until the end. Uh but but you are smart. You're you're gonna tie these things together. Okay? Um I'm in I'm in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, we're already in the last week of Jesus. Mark chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, before we read the word, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will use this. I pray that you will speak to us. Empty me as a vessel, use me. Father, I pray that you will just minister to our spirits this morning and, and have your way in us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 12, verse 1. Jesus is speaking, again, to a highly religious people. And he says... Uh, he began to speak to them in parables. Uh, although, I would love for you to follow along in your Bibles. Uh, the Scripture will all be on the screen. Nobody expected you to walk in a scholar. In fact, we have Bibles for you in the foyer. We'd love for you to take one. It's an absolute joy. Absolute joy for you to do that. Uh, so we're, we're in the New Testament, which is just, you know, the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the story of Jesus. So that's where we are. Follow along on the screen if, if, you're, not, if you're not with us in your own uh, Bible or on your phone. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, dug out a pit for a wine press, and built a watchtower. That took a minute. There, was, there were no excav- uh, excavators. Okay? I mean, he dug a wine press, he built a tower. This, this took a minute. Yeah, this is a lot of work. And who's this man? What does this mean? Jesus is telling the story, and I want you to realize that just, just pretty much everything in here is symbolic of something. It all means something. The Bible doesn't waste any words. And so this all means something. So we'll unfold that, but just think about that as you're reading. Then he leased it to tenant farmers and went away. At a harvest time, he sent a servant to the farmers to collect some of the fruit of the vineyard from them. But they took him beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Now, let's stop right there and break this down. Uh, d- don't, don't go to the next scripture. Hold on. All right. Jesus is telling a parable. You know that a parable is a, uh, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And you've probably always been told, th- some of you, this is about to blow your mind, you've probably always been told Jesus spoke in parables to make things more simple. That is not true. Jesus spoke in parables to hide meaning from super religious people. Go through the scripture and look. The disciples were like, Why won't you just speak to us? And he's saying, I'm revealing. To you a mystery. He wants you to understand. He wants you to meditate on it. And through the Bible, there's a lot of things that we're going to call meditation scripture. You're going to have to think about it. This is not going to be apparent. It's not going to be intuitive. And and that way, only the seekers are going to see it. You're like, well, that doesn't make sense that Jesus would hide. No, Jesus is saying this so that the highly religious people won't get it, won't turn it, won't manipulate it. But the people who are looking, They're going to understand it. And I'm talking to a room full of those people right now. So we're going to get this. So what is this about? First of all, a man planted a vineyard. Now, uh, vineyard, we're going to assume grapes, right? Because he dug a wine press. And you get wine from, there you go, all right? Uh, So we've got grapes here. And I told you actually last week that the nation of Israel, the people are are, there's a language that is used that are normally symbolic of them. And we get olives, which, thank you, Tim, I forgot that last week. Olives, uh, if you hear that, you're normally talking about Israel. Uh, figs, you're normally talking about Israel. And uh, grapes, you're normally talking about Israel. God is using all these things in, in great symbolism, okay? So uh, this is his people that he's talking about for these fruit. And who's the man who did all this? Well, we're talking about God. God makes a vineyard, so he makes this earth right and he sets all these things up on it and then he leases it out to tenant farmers who is that well specifically specifically this is going to be israel we can put ourselves in this as well though okay so this is all going to be created and leased out to tenant farmers and they're going to do the work but he's the one who has planted the seeds do you see how this works God is doing work. Does God still perform miracles? Does he answer prayers? Yes. But he has leased the vineyard out to tenant farmers. So we are supposed to work. All right? We are supposed to do things. He's told us all through the Bible, he's going to perform a miracle and you're going to help. Okay? Kind of like shake and bake. Some of y'all are not old enough to remember that commercial. It's shake and bake and I hailed. All right. So this is about us. As you read through the Bible, just learn about God. Don't try to insert yourself in there. Uh, But there are a few times when you can insert yourself, and it's normally not good. (laughs) This is one of those moments, all right? We can insert ourselves for just a moment. Now, God is the one who owns this vineyard, and he has leased the vineyard to us. Specifically, we could say this is really about the Jews, but we've been grafted in, okay? And strangers are let in to run this vineyard vineyard now think about that for a moment strangers are let in to run the vineyard whose vineyard is it the master's or the tenant farmers it belongs to the master he owns it so when they reap a harvest whose is it it's the master's does your job not work that way (laughs) You know, when you, when you receive money for goods, you take it back. And then at the end, you are paid for that, but you don't own. So you don't receive all of that money, right? You don't, you don't show up to a factory. You don't get in a company car. You get to use those things. You don't own those things. And for your time, you are compensated. But you are not given the things that aren't yours. Is that not how your job works? This is, we're, we're all familiar with this concept. So, tenant farmers come in, but they don't own anything. Now, they're responsible for the harvest, and if they don't do a good job, let's just assume, and we'll get there in a minute, that they'll be replaced, but this is how it works, and we get that, okay? So, who does the produce belong to, the master or the servants? Belongs to the master. But is this not a good deal for the tenant farmers? They've stepped into something that has already been planted. Already in motion. They didn't have to put up a wall. They didn't have to make a watchtower. They didn't have to dig a wine press. They don't have to dig the pit. You know, uh, uh, they don't have to plant the, the vines. Because after you plant the vines, it takes about five years for them to really start producing enough grapes for you to be able to make wine. So are they not getting a good deal? They're stepping in. They get to take some of the share of these things. Right? So the master owns it, and they get it. Understand that we're talking about God and people here. All of the things that God is going to do, that he is going to require of you, are going to be for his glory because he owns it, but it's also going to be for your good, okay? It's all going to be for his glory, but it's also going to be for your good, including the things that we don't like, God asks us to stay out of certain things. Have you ever read through the New Testament before? Like God talks about, uh, you know, he's always talking about sin, and he lists like sexual sins the most, and they're always first in a list. That's how Hebrew and, and Greek, that's how they did it. The most important things came in the first of a list. And you're like, man, God, why do you care so much? Mind your own business, God. What are you doing? What do you think? Right? And we look at it like this. But he's doing something that's for his glory and for your good. And as your life plays on and anybody here old enough to have a driver's license is like, you know, if I would have just followed that, things would have gone smoothly. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because he set things up for his glory and for your good. Now remember that. So the tenant farmers in this deal are not getting a bad deal. They're not getting a bad deal, but they went rogue because they obviously didn't understand the deal or they went back on the deal, okay? Now, these tenant farmers got mad. So mad that when the owner sent someone to collect, they beat the dude. What gives them the right? Well, if you talk to them, what would they say? Well, I'm the one who did all the work. Well, I'm the one who was out here in the hot sun every day. I'm the one picking weeds. I'm the one keeping frost off the grapes. And they become very egocentric. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. But they don't own any land or they would have planted their own vineyard they didn't plant their own vineyard because they would still be five years away from making grapes they didn't dig their own wine press because they wouldn't be harvesting this year they'd have been selling those grapes because they couldn't have made their own wine and so when you look at the master he's like you guys are wicked and evil this is mine you didn't have the material I'll tell you what, if you want to take God's place, go start your own world. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You don't own that sort of creativity. Isn't God incredible? You you know, we watch all these alien movies and all these random things. And, uh, you know, like this alien will come and it looks like a a praying mantis with like jellyfish tentacles. And we're like, wow, how creative that someone made this. No, they didn't. They just copied a bunch of God's stuff. We actually have no creativity in and of ourselves. And, dude, he made jellyfish. He made octopus. Did you know that in Texas, if you look up in the night sky, there's a little bug that flies around and its butt glows? (laughs) How cool is that? I wouldn't have thought of that. Hey, let's put a flashlight on this guy. God is supremely and ultimately creative. We could not have done these things, and we're getting a good deal as tenant farmers. Their problem was they thought they owned it. Their problem was that they thought that they deserved more than what they actually had. They weren't satisfied with their good deal. Now, how does this apply to me? Because you're a tenant farmer and you can't make your own wine press. You can't make your own way. The only thing that we use is breathing the air that God gave us. We're tenant farmers using what he has given us. You know Ephesians 2:10 says and I don't have it on the screen uh, on the computer like Ephesians 2:10 is not on the Ephesians 2:10 says that you are God's masterpiece created in advance for good works that he's prepared for you. God knew exactly what he wanted to do with you. In the same way that I would buy machinery, if I want to plow a field and if I want to dig a ditch, I'm making two completely different kinds of machinery. Which one is more valuable? Depends on what you're doing. You look different. You have different attributes. Some of you are plowing a field. Some of you are digging a ditch. You know what I'm saying? You follow follow me here? You're made different. You look different. Why? Because you got a different thing to do. Which one's more valuable? What a stupid question. That's like asking, what's your favorite color? Man, show me a painting that you just love with one color. It doesn't belong to you. He says, What, what, what doesn't belong to me? Hold on, we're gonna get there. Read James 1 with me. James chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. It's on the screen. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of Lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creation. You are first fruit of his creatures. You are part of God's creation that he made, and in you, you possess. All these things, you have the watchtower, you have the wine press, you have all of these things, and they belong to the Father. Are you good at something? Well, who's that for? Well, it's for me. That's why God gave it to me. It's for your good, but it's for his, thank you, but it's for his glory. And you're like, well, joke's on you because I ain't got nothing. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. In fact, you have this, if you have nothing else, you have this. You are in you're in the same 24-hour day that I'm in. Some of us sleep a little longer through it. But we've all got the same 24 hours. You're like, "Well, that's not enough." I don't know. Do you understand? Hold on, hold on. This is a this is a borrowed facility. We're so blessed to be here, but in a couple weeks we will be back in our own building. Now, let me tell you, we are a church plant in Ranger, Texas. Ranger is not known for its vast wealth. And so uh, we had a gift given uh, some years ago that covered about a third or uh, maybe 40% of what it took to build. The rest all has come from your tithe that uh, that we are going to expand our building with. And uh, we didn't have to use that tithe because you all do everything. Understand that we have become, for the community, for the county, uh, a larger church, and we still have only two people who are full-time on staff. Now, we have others, once somebody kind of starts doing over 10 hours a week and volunteering, we begin to compensate them, so we have those, but there's still only two people who are full-time on staff. Why? How can you do that when others have seven to a dozen who are smaller in some ways than even what we are? Because of you, because of what you're giving. And for most, for most churches, the greatest expenditure of your funds is staff capital. But we don't have to do that. Why? Because you work your butts off for free. And so you're like, I'm not a huge giver. Yes, you are, because we don't have to pay somebody to do what you're doing as a volunteer. And that's why we're able to build this. So is God doing it? Absolutely. Did he provide it? Absolutely. How did he provide it? Through your sweat. Yes you have something to give. Yes you've been giving something. There are people right now that are outside taking care of your children. And I just want you to know this and they're taking care of mine too. They don't owe you anything. Like nobody nobody owes you to take care of your children. They're doing it out of the kindness and the goodness, the goodness of their heart and we need more help. I would love for you to do uh, I would love for you to do the same thing. Consider doing that. I mean everything is taken care of. It's been difficult Doing it in a cafeteria, but they're still doing it. A couple of weeks, we'll have rooms again, and it's just going to be awesome. But they're doing it. They're giving. Why? Because this doesn't belong to the people who are outside working with your kids right now. I mean, it's for their good. They'll take a vacation someday, but right now, what they're doing is for his glory. And then, we're blessed as we do it. You also have this. Mmm. Mm. Is that good looking or what? Man, look at you. Look at you. Man, you have I know that's generic, but you have everything about yourself. Did you know that what you see in here means something to somebody that nobody else's mugshot means? You're a mama, you're a daddy, you're a friend, you're a coworker, you're a son, you're a daughter, and you have a friend, you have an acquaintance, you have something that we use for us but it's for his glory. Well, those are my friends. Those are You realize when God created, when God said, "Let there be light." Time, space and matter all came in at the same time because you cannot have one without all three. Because if you had matter without space, like where would you put it? If you had space without time, when would you put it? You know what I'm saying? It all came into existence. And so God not only put you in the right place, he put you in the right time. You know what I'm saying? In the right body. And so the acquaintances that you have, the family that you have, are not by mistake. And some of you are like, well then that's a sick joke. But you are the one going to break that cycle. You're the one going to bust those chains, right? So you have you. For your good, sure, you're awesome. That's for your good, great. But for his glory. Let me tell you something else that you have. And you're like, no, I don't. You have money. You have gifts. Let me tell you. If I if I did this, if I did this, and I don't I don't talk much about money at all, kind of makes me want to vomit, just because it's been perverted so much. But let me just maybe this would be helpful to you. If I if I Slade, I'm gonna do this to you. Okay, come here. You're gonna be mad at me. If I if I pull Slade up here, oh, you don't need no help. And I say, here, Slade. What do you have? Oh, no, 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 by the way, I want you to give that to Teresa. Now, the problem is, hold on, he just lost 20 bucks. Now, the difference would be, the difference would be, I thought he was going to be mad, she's the mad one. Uh, Slade, I want you to bless Teresa with this. Now, he's happy to get to play a part in that. Do you see the difference? It's my mentality When I begin to think that everything belongs to me, then when it has to leave my hand, I'm sad. And I'm not just talking about uh, money, by the way. I'm talking about any of the possessions that God has given us. And many of you have done that. You You have tools. You have trailers. You have all kinds of stuff that we've absolutely trashed. Every extension cord that Dusty Purvis owns is here. He can't even do a project at his house. That's what he's telling Amy anyways. But he can't even do a project at his house because all of his tools are up here. Why? Because he said they're for his glory. If I get them back, great. But they never belong to me anyways because when I think it's mine and it leaves my hand, I'm sad. When I live with an open hand, God put it in, take it out, it's all yours anyways, He is going to take care of you. And that's the only thing, by the way, in the Bible that God tells you to test him on. Literally. It's the only thing. He says, try me. Try me and see. And we have 19 people who are about to go to Ecuador, and and about 18 and a half of those were like, I can't afford to do it. Provision. You know what else you have? You have a platform. Yours might not be like mine. My platform is a handy, uh, a, a handy craftsman table. Some of y'all didn't know what we were working with up here. Uh, this is my platform. But you know what? I'm a preacher. And that platform makes me an absolute alien to some people. When I show up to your job, when I see you in a restaurant, I hate it when you're like, this is my preacher. Dude, just let me be a human for just a minute. Because then all of a sudden people are like, oh, crap. We can't even cuss now like hiding their beers behind their back. (sighs) You have a platform because you're not an alien. I walk into a, a room and I might as well have tentacles and green skin, but you don't. And you can shine the light of Jesus and you can be a real Christian and you can show somebody real transformation and you can show somebody real peace from a, just a regular, average human. You have a platform, and it doesn't belong to you. <laughs> it's for your good, but it's for His glory. Here's the last thing. If you're a Christian in this place, you were given gifts. You were given gifts by God. Some of you can sit down and provide wise counsel with someone. And so everywhere you go, people are just telling you. Now some of y'all everywhere you go, people tell you stuff because you're a drama queen. But some of that is just because God has gifted you to be able to listen and provide wise counsel. It becomes very taxing. But it's not yours. It's for his glory, and so he wants you to use it. Some of you can walk in and control a room. Some of you are high energy and you can walk in. You can, you can go into Kids' Palooza and you can just make 40 kids have a good time. And it's exhausting, but it's not for you, it's for His glory. Some of you are charming and you can meet anybody, and in 10 seconds, they're not a stranger any longer. And, and some, of, some of there's men here who have used that to just try to pick up women. It's a perversion of my gift. That's just one example. But I've been given gifts. Some of you can pray, but what are you praying for, right? We have been given all of these gifts, and they're for our good. Yeah, yeah, it's okay to use those because they are for your good, but they're for his glory. So when we use them in a way that's opposed to his glory, he may take those. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Now there are different gifts but the same Spirit. There are different ministries but the same Lord. And there are different activities but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. A manifestation of the gift is given for what? Your good? No, for the common good. What does that mean? The kingdom. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. If you are a Christian, God has given you a gift and you have to use it. For his glory, it's not just for you because those things can be taken away from you at some level. We can debate that. But the Holy Spirit is grieved when we pervert those gifts for our good alone instead of his glory. Okay? You, you have things. You have things. I've said this before and I've done analogies with this, but in any card game, what cards do you play? The cards in your hand, you understand? And you have been given cards. And they may not not be the cards that you want. We moved to Ranger, my wife and I moved to Ranger, and we didn't have a lot of money, we didn't know a lot of people, and I said, I don't know how we're gonna do this, and the guy that mentored me said, shut your mouth, play the cards in your hand, you got four kids. Half of you that I met before this place was through some kind of kids' sporting event. Or going to the gym. Or, or whatever. I mean, kids' everything. I didn't have much, but I have four kids. They get into everything, and so this is how we meet, right? What are the cards in your hand? Play those. You didn't get an accidental deal. Your dealer knows exactly what he's doing, all right? All right, let's keep going. Mark chapter 12, verse 2 now. Again, he sent another servant. Remember, the tenant farmers beat the first servant. They beat him up, sent him on his way. Again, he sent another servant to them, and they hit him on the head and treated him shamefully. Then he sent another, and they killed that one. He also sent many others. Some they beat, and others they killed, now, if there's no wasted words, what does this mean? Because I've never, I've never beat or killed anyone for trying to tell me the gospel, for trying to share Jesus with me. I've not beat anyone. Well, actually, as you read through history, much less the history of the Bible, many of the prophets that God sent to turn the people back to him, to tell them to use their, positions, uh, their possessions for him, were beaten and or murdered. Today is not a lot different. Uh, more Christians are being more murdered today than ever. I've gotten to meet some. You're going to meet a guy next week who is constantly around people. Uh, I've, I've gotten to travel overseas, and, and young men are going to seminary. Why? Because our pastor was murdered for being a Christian. It still happens. And some of us have maybe slapped around the messenger a little bit, whether we want to admit it or not. And we didn't lay hands on them, Maybe. But maybe we told them to mind their own business. And if you're a busybody, that does not give you permission to go button into people's lives, okay? <laughs> but somebody who loves you and wanted to invest in you came to you with a word from the Lord. By the way, if you do want to be in somebody's life, if you do think, man, I have a word from the Lord from you, if you don't have scripture to back it up, don't go because it's just your opinion. Many have been beaten, killed, slapped around. Maybe we've done that a little bit. Maybe we've sent that out. Maybe you've been the one who's been slapped around. Regardless, verse 6, let's keep going. He still had one to send, a beloved son. Whoa. God, what if this parable is about you and you are ultimate in wisdom? Listen. They killed and beat everybody else. Don't send your son. Please don't send your son. You know what they're going to do. You know what we're... Man, if you could get, if you could get like one of those ghost of Christmas past experiences and go back and watch some of the moments in your life, how many times do you think that you would see one of those pivotal for a bad direction moments in your life where God provided an opportunity or a way out of it and you spit in that face? How many times did God provide for you, give provision for you, not to go down the wrong path, but you just ignored it? So if you could get one of those ghost of Christmas past experiences, just watching yourself stiff arm the provisions that God has given you to keep you from spiraling down, what would you, I mean, you and Jesus just watching this event. Don't send them God, don't send them. I'm not going to be nice to them. Don't send them, God. I know what happens right now. And this has happened for all of humanity. This has happened for every single person in this room right now, and he still did it. And so when we look at this parable, we're like, "Hey, listen, kill these tenant farmers already. They're murdering people. Kill them already. for' crying out loud, don't send your son!" And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what he did. As many times as I've spit in God's face. If, if my relationship with God is a marriage, I'm the cheatingest woman there's ever been. Right? Can I get an amen from anybody? Well, I meant for like you, not for me. You're you are like, yeah, you're a cheat. No. For all of us. Who would turn on someone that they love as many times as we turned on God and then I'll send my son? (sighs) There's there's a song that talks about the reckless love of God. I have a friend who's like, I will not sing that. God's love is not reckless. I'm like, it seems a little reckless. Doesn't this? Like you have abandoned all rationality to still want me at this point. And he did it. That's the love of the gospel. So this is Jesus last week. And this is the story he's given them. And you know they're listening to this story like, dude, would you kill kill them? Murder them. They deserve it. Death penalty. Give them the chair. They didn't have the chair back then, but I would have made it just for these guys. It's us. We're the ones in the story. So, So Jesus comes, right? He's going to send his son. We're advising God not to, but he's going to do it anyways. Mark chapter 12, verse 9. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? Oh, wait. Oh, verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 8. Okay. The son was sent. They said, this is the heir, come let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. Verse 8, so they seized him, killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. And that's what happened to Jesus. Go on to verse 9. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill the farmers and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this scripture, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This came about from the Lord and is wonderful in our eyes. They were looking for a way to arrest him but feared the crowd because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. Who? The highly religious people. So they left him and went away. He's looking at the people who are setting themselves up as the cornerstone of religiosity. And he was like, you're not the cornerstone. You've rejected the cornerstone. You're a brick, all right, (laughs) but you ain't on the right wall. Jesus is the cornerstone, and if you're not on that cornerstone, you're not building the temple. You're not building the kingdom. And then what happens? The people get replaced. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because we talk about how uh, everything is, is for our good, but ultimately it's for His glory, And God is going to give blessing. God is going to provide. He's going to work miracles. But for much of it, He's going to use us to do it. But notice that you don't have to play a part in that. These farmers get replaced, somebody else can come in and do it. Listen, one day, Jesus is going to send Gabriel the angel, and He's going to blow a trumpet, right? And the dead in Christ shall rise. And God is not stressing whether or not he's going to be able to pull that off. He's not stressing it. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you can get past Genesis 1-1, bro, the rest of it's no problem. If he can create it, he can manipulate anything within it. This is his painting, this is his portrait, this is his pottery. He can make it however he wants. He wanted to do it through you, but you don't have to play along. You don't have to be a part of it, but if not, you miss the blessing. See, because these guys miss the produce. They missed the wine. They missed the payment. They missed the blessing. They were replaced. God wants to use you, But he will not force you to be used. Does that make sense? So Jesus last week, why this story? He goes to the temple. He's talking to the super religious people. Why this story? Because he's telling them, jump on the right wall. Stop building over here. This is all going to get torn down. This is where I want you to build. You don't get to make your own religion. I'm the cornerstone. The one that you rejected, that's where you were supposed to be building all along. But you're taking the gifts, the provision that I gave you, I chose you, I I created you to be a kingdom of priests to all of the people, but instead of leading them to God, you're leading them away. You're using your possessions, you're using your authority, you're using your position for evil instead of good. Now the people would have never said that they were evil. They gave charitably. They gave to the church. They did all kinds of good things. But all of the good things that they did were for their benefit and never for his glory. Therefore, it was leading people away from God. So this is why Jesus comes in the last week going, please, get on it. (laughs) So they get replaced. The owner can get somebody else, man. He doesn't need us. We are blessed to get to be a part of what God is doing. Now, should they have been grateful for the job yeah they could have had a great job in a vineyard that was already set up they didn't have to own the vineyard some of you just can't wait to go own your own business but some of you get to go home at five while your boss has to go chase material and when the company crashes down it's not your credit that's online it's his it's Sometimes it's kind of good to have a boss, especially when he's a good boss. It pays well. He's given us a good deal. He says that not only will he bless you, but whatever you give, he'll give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He is going to give. Stop trying to own your possessions. God wants to use you, but he doesn't need you. So instead of having a good job, now they're dead. But that doesn't sound like the God that I heard about on TikTok. Because God is love, right? Isn't there a song? Is there's only love in the heart of God? Well... 2 Thessalonians 1.6 says that God is just. Ecclesiastes 43.29, God is the great and terrible God. Not as in terrible like bad at his job, but terrible like you're shaking in your boots in terror. Romans 1 says he's a God of wrath. uh, Psalms chapter 7 says that he's the ultimate judge. Well, there's a lot more than love in the heart of God. In fact, I don't like the song anyways because God doesn't have love in his heart. He is love. He doesn't possess it. He is it. Regardless, they rejected the cornerstone. And here's the problem that's a miserable way to live because they're trying to hold on to possessions that aren't theirs. They're trying to pay a mortgage that they don't have the income to pay. Is that more relatable yet? They're paying payments on a car that they can't afford. They're trying to hold on to all these possessions, and quite frankly, and maybe you can relate to this, working their butts off to keep it when they never have to make the payments in the first place. All I have to do is steward it. This is company vehicle. Man, he's paying for the gas. You know what I'm saying? He's paying for the fuel. He's, I, I'm getting a per diem, all of the things but when I own it, it is the worst job ever. When I own it, being a pastor of a church is like, man, if I, think about that. Just me, put yourself in my position and then you, and then you extrapolate it to yours. If, if, if I own it, if I'm the pastor of this church, so I'm responsible for everybody's faith, I'll be in a very special place soon. I'll be out of my mind soon. If I own your faith and I own your faith and I own your faith and oh this this lady lost her job and and these people's kids are 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 going nuts and oh gosh even even my own my own life is in shambles and I own it all it is depressing. But when God owns it and I get to be a part of somebody's life I get to help you I get to be a vehicle for good news into somebody's life, right? Think about your position. Are you trying to control every little thing in your life? Are you treating people like their possessions that you just can't let go of? Are you treating your bank account like something that you have to hang on to and you can't let go? Are you treating all of your gifts and all of your time like something that you have to harbor for yourself? Then you are miserable, I bet. Instead, when I live open-handed, God put it in, if He wants it, it's his. It's his. What if you went to the bank and you were like, "Hey, I need to make a withdrawal." and they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, You gave us that money. That'd be ludicrous. I'd be in, I'd be in jail that day, man? You see me robbing a bank? Did Robin it's my own money? How much more preposterous is it if God says, "Hey, you know that personality that I gave you? I want you to go talk to them. That's mine. No. Listen. Everything that you have that set you up for this position is for something. is for someone, and I'll tell you who that is. It's Him. Everything that you have is for Him. You may not have the job you once had. You may not have the position you once had. You may not have the authority that you once had. Something may have changed and maybe now you have more of those things. But then, now, later, doesn't matter. It was never yours. Now, I'm proud of you. If you're a hard worker and you've gone out, you take care of your family and you're you're a good provider, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. But you're using his strength. You're using his air. You're using his company vehicle to do those things. I'm proud of you. Awesome. I, I I wouldn't give you a nickel for a lazy man. But listen. It's for His glory. And you're good. So God comes in His last week, and He's like, "You do. Y'all you, trying to hold it? You trying to play Jesus? And I'm Jesus." <laughs> and guess what He was doing with all of His gifts? Sacrificing them on the cross while everybody else playing pretend was trying to hold them for me. Worship team, I want you to come up. Church, I want you to pray with me for just a minute, okay? Go ahead and, and close your eyes. We're going we're gonna to pray. But uh, we're, we're not just going to pray about, about any old thing right now, okay? We're not praying over lunch. Uh, this is what I want you to pray about. What do you think belongs to you? Let me, let me give you a hint. Here's how you pick out what you think belongs to you because it's the thing that's stressing you out right now. Your business, your job, your family, your clunker of a car, whatever it is, what is it that is causing you stress right now? That's probably the thing that you think that you own. What is it that you're being asked to do but you're pretty uncomfortable? Hey, if you don't get uncomfortable, you're never going to find out what your spiritual gift is because until you get to the end of you, you'll never get to the beginning of him. That was good. Somebody write it down after you open your eyes. What is it that you think is yours that's got you stressing out, freaking out, and has stolen your joy, is taking up all the time and space in your head, what is it that you need to give to him right now? I want you to sit at the feet of Jesus. And, and listen, nobody's rubbing your nose in it because I have to do this same thing. We're tempted to say, now you tell Jesus exactly why you think it's yours. No, doesn't matter. All I'm asking is that you close your eyes, that you sit in front of Jesus and whatever it is, would you just hand it to him? And if it's somebody else's faith, (laughs) God has called us to Ranger and he has called us to come in and preach to everybody. Man, he's called us to take people who don't know Jesus and bring them to him, but they're still not ours. What is it that you're holding on to that is stealing the joy from your life, keeping you from glorifying God, from worshiping through your day? Would you set it at his feet and give it to him? good all right you can look at me in his last week jesus came to tell people you don't own anything and they were offended by it we are liberated by it we are liberated you don't want that kind of responsibility you don't want to play god not for a day not for a second so stop doing it in your life serve him everything that you have is his and it will be for his glory but guess what It'll be for your good. Worship team is going to play another song, and uh, some people are going to are going to bring baskets, and so tithing offering is a part of the way that we worship. But listen, if there's a way that we can help you, if there's a way that we can pray with you, questions we can answer, if you'd like a phone call, write it on that connection card, put it in the basket. Better yet, best case scenario, we have a prayer team. Prayer team, I'd like for you to stand up. And go ahead and make your way to the front row. We have a prayer team, and they're going to be here. They would love to pray with you, pray over you. So during our last song, when service is over, whenever, they're here to pray with you. Please come and pray with them. James is here uh, also if you want to grab him and, and be a part of those praying for uh, for our family as they go to, to serve in Ecuador. But please stand and worship